guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled as always to be joined by my co-host, Kelsey Trainer. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Great. Uh, Kelsey is in warmer weather than all of us this week, which is good for her, I guess. Yeah, speaking of, of warmer weather, I think we're going to have some uh, some warm weather at the uh, the Tokyo Olympics. So I think we should uh, should kick th- some things off there uh, with some Olympic news. So we definitely talked last week about many of the teams um, actively in the throes of selecting their Olympic rosters to head to Tokyo soon. Uh, I think it's about a month away. And so one of those teams was USA Basketball, uh, the women's basketball team. And the 12-person roster was announced Monday, featured some very, very familiar names um, because they're now five-time Olympians. Uh, congrats to Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, I think the goats uh, <laughs> in and of themselves. Um, so, that I mean, that, that in and of itself is just iconic. Five-time Olympians. It's insane. Yeah, and... As an aside, when you say GOAT, I was watching the playoff game last night, the uh, men's NBA playoff game, and there's a CarMax commercial with Sue Bird. Oh, that one's so great. It's, it's so, so good. funny. And I her keypad it. her keypad is GOAT. Yep. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Uh, she. I mean, shout out to, to women athletes getting, getting branded endorsement deals, but man, Sue Bird just sells. Like she is like... Just big people are just huge fans of her. It's awesome. Um, so congrats to Sue and Diana. And another thing that was really interesting about the um, about the Olympic roster was that Neka Ngumuke was not on the roster. Now she was an MVP, first round draft pick, uh, first 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 player draft pick of the first round, um, and then she was also um, she's been you know, going around with team USA for a while. She's the president of the WNBA's player association. Um, just basically her accolades are just through the roof, um, in terms of like her stats and her playing and everything. Um, so it was really, really, really interesting that she was left off the roster It's very similar to when Candace Parker was left off the roster of the Olympic team a few years back. Um, and there's a lot of talk about the politics of it all um, and how that selection gets made. So uh, personally, I, I was shocked to see that NECA was not on the Olympic roster of, of 12 players um, because of what she's done on and off the court. And because USA Basketball was like advertising her in USA Basketball you know, gear kind of like for the past year and a half. Um, so it's, it's pretty shocking. Um, it doesn't take away, I don't think from like any of the other players that made the team, but it's definitely something that people are kind of up in arms about. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like an odd choice, but I think to your point, it speaks to the talent that is on the roster and the talent that exists in the WNBA right now. Um, so obviously you have folks like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi who, again, five Olympics, that's like Michael Phelps level. Maybe, wait, how many Olympics has Michael Phelps been in? Ooh. <laughs> Hold on. Google.com. Let's see what the Google says. No, that's it's a great point you make. I mean, they're just legends in and of themselves. There's been some talk about at what point do, you know, the legends take a step down and, you know, mm-hmm. give opportunity to 
uh, some younger players. But listen, if I'm if I'm if I'm going to be in five Olympics, I'm not turning that down. Yeah. So he Michael Phelps did qualify for five Olympics. Wow. Um, so yes, super Diana Trossi on Michael Phelps level. Uh, as I would say he, they're on his level. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, I'm saying <laughs> that he's on their level. He, he is on their level, but exactly. he is the most decorated Olympian of all time. Um, and so by that comparison, uh, you know, they are certainly getting there um, with their fifth Olympics. Uh, but to your point, like they need to step away when they stop performing, but they are still performing. They're still performing. And like you said, the talent pool for USA basketball is like, we could field, you know, one, two, three teams and take gold, silver, and bronze. Like that's just so good. The talent level is just so good. Exactly. Um, on a, <laughs> moving on to a much different note, um, a very different note. Uh, the New York Mets announced changes to their anti-harassment policy last week. Um, Kelsey, I'm sure you have lots of opinions about this. <laughs> you may recall the bombshell revelations in January that the Mets GM, Jerry Porter, sent sexually explicit messages to a female reporter back in 2016. Uh, former manager Mickey Calloway has also been accused of sending lewd photographs to women while part of multiple clubs. Um, so... You know, it feels like there's a big issue here. Changes to an anti-harassment policy feel like a good start, but let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the changes to the, to a policy are really just like, hey, well, here's what we had. Um, we weren't really following it. And, um, you know, here's a policy that says how we should follow it and what exactly should be done. But it's really not, <laughs> like you said, it's it's a start, but it's not necessarily something that is, um, super impactful, um, because at the end of the day it can exist. It just has to be followed. Um, but you know, this is something that this is like a tried and true tested, you know, story that we've heard time and time again. It just happens to so many women everywhere. And I think there was an article re by, um, Sarah Spain recently, um, on this. And it's like, the actual, the, you're the odd person out if you haven't been a w woman in sport that's kind of been harassed, um, which is really, really sad to say, um, because this is just a story that's like, it's a tale as old as time. It's something that's just happens all the time. Um, and you know, now women are being brave and coming forward, but you know, they did in the past too, and they weren't believed. So, you know, I guess the, the Mets kind of changing their policy is like, uh, you know, good for you. But what what is actively being done to, to make women feel safe in these environments? Exactly. I mean, they fired a couple high level officials um, in addition to the policy change. But, you know, as you discussed, like this is all some this is something that I think most women in sports experience, but also women outside Everywhere. of sports, too. Yeah. Uh, and one of the points I was, this is disturbing. I was going back and rereading the articles from January. The reporter received more than 60 text messages without responding. And the final text was literally a, a nude um, of, well, the GM <laughs> claims that it wasn't him. And it was, quote, like, just a joke stock image. I mean, do we get like pictures? Like, how do we compare? How do we how do we prove that? <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think we want to know. But it still. doesn't matter if it was right. like 
a picture of him or not. Like he sent a disturbing picture that was not reciprocated, not requested, not desired. And like, unfortunately it's, you know, he felt so able to do this that, you know, he, like he, he sent a new photograph to a reporter that he had a working relationship with. And then who like, didn't respond to 60 texts? Oh 60. my God. And like, how bad is the culture at your organization that you somehow deem that acceptable to do? By the way, for anyone listening, if you need to be told that if someone doesn't respond after 60 texts, the final answer is not to send a nude photograph. It seems like the obvious, <laughs> um, the obvious progression, but, you know, apparently there are people that need to be told that um it's just it's so incredibly disturbing it's disheartening and you know it it starts at the top it's a culture thing it you know i would in many of these circumstances this isn't just a one time thing this is like a behavior that is acceptable um and permeated like throughout an entire organization so you know, I think that, you know, the firing of high level people, great, but you know, what type of culture has been built there that's been acceptable for, you know, a good amount of time, uh, that maybe people still there are, are, you know, kind of carrying through. So they're really, it's just, it's just a shame. It's like, what, like, I don't understand how hard it is to just not like to just not do that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a hard ask to just, you know, not. To be respectful to people that you work with. Right. It's it's such a novel concept, apparently. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's downstream effects of this. Uh, if you if you were a woman working in sports, how motivated would you be to go work for the Mets? And then that diversity decreases and then this culture kind of spirals down continuously, you know, so hopefully publicizing these steps that they're taking um, will start to change that culture And I, again, trying to keep it positive, wishing the best to the ball club and getting it right this time around. Um, Well, we have more positive news. We sort of sandwiched the show today. Yeah, we we had we knew what we were doing. Yeah, we had our happy news. (laughs) Uh, We had our depressing news, uh, and we've got some more good stuff for you after the break. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. You probably saw the news break about Carl Nassib, who came out this week as the first openly gay active player in the NFL. He shared on Instagram with the following message saying, quote, I think I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I actually hope that one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. But until then, I'm going to do my best and my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. Uh, Nassib also donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which, if you're unfamiliar, is a nonprofit that supports lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth, um, especially in areas of suicide prevention. Um, So amazing. What a wonderful thing to celebrate uh, as Pride Month is coming to a close. Um, But just so excited to, as, you know, Carl himself said, have this representation in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, just so much respect to him. And, you know, I know we've talked about this, like, 
in the women's sports space where it's like, you know, we wish we don't have to celebrate the, you know, the firsts of women, right? The first time that Becky Hammond coached in a, an NBA game, right? Um, but it is so important because it gives people, they can see that it's possible and they can see that it's something that should be just normalized and the reaction to it. And so I, I love what he said about like, I just hope that there's a day where this isn't even necessary for me to come out and say, this is just not necessary. But until then, like here I am, you know, I'm proud of who I am. I'm living as who I am. Um, and that's going to save lives. I mean, it, it truly will, especially in the football space, which, you know, just has a history of just being, you know, just so, you know, quote masculine and, and, and maybe not accepting. Um, and I just, it's, it's so applaudable and, and, you know, bravo to him. And if you're wondering, you know, if representation matters, um, his Jersey is the top selling Jersey this week since the post on Monday. Um, and so it's just, it matters. Um, and it's, it's really awesome to see. Plus I donated to the Trevor project. Plus I think the NFL matched that donation. Um, so hopefully it starts a conversation that we maybe haven't seen in, you know, men's professional football. The, so we know that the NBA does the best, right? I feel like the NFL has recognized that it has been lagging behind severely in the last year and maybe is just doing a little bit better now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that we can right? do a whole episode on that, on that, that, that topic. Um, well, it's just so interesting um, how much more they've been highlighting representation in the league since last year. Yeah. And I think too, like look at this, look at the coaching staffs and look at the front office staffs. I think when you have more, we're starting to see more women, you know, more black women, more black men, more people of color. I think when you have an actual, or at least, you know, working towards it, when you have people in decision-making positions, um, that are not from, you know, kind of one standard background, you get just a diversity of thought, um, and experiences that lead to those decisions to make, you know, um, to make decisions to be more inclusive, to be more opening. Um, so I think that's, I think we're seeing that. I mean, I know personally, I've been like checking out a lot of the front offices and the coaching staff. Um, it's been something that's been really cool to see. And again, it's something that we celebrate every time it happens because it is pretty rare. It's not the norm. Exactly. Um, so the only thing really with the story that's not to love, uh, was one thing that, uh, Nassib added at the end of his post saying that sadly I have agonized over this moment for the last 15 years. Um, so hopefully, you know, that's, that's a really sad thing to know. Um, and we really applaud him for sharing that, but hopefully it is something that gives courage to, um, LGBT youth who are struggling with this, um, that, you know, you do have a role model in the NFL, if that is the thing that you care about and are passionate about. Um, so once again, thank you for, thank you to Carl for this pride month, having the courage to share this message with the world. Exactly. And also, we forgot to mention this before, but speaking of the gays, um, I want to go back to the Olympics because I think Let's it's a famous it. I think it's a famous quote by Meg Rapino is like, you can't win a gold medal at the Olympics in women's soccer without the gays. It just hasn't been done. Um, and we recently, uh, you know, the women's basketball was announced this week, but also um, 
we had the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team uh, list announced, I believe it was Wednesday of this week, um, and a lot of veterans on there, an 18-person roster, so it's it's pretty small um, compared to the, the the level of players that we have in this country. But Meg Rapinoe's made the team, um, Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, I think will be going into the Olympics at 39 years old. Um, just you know, insanely iconic. Um, so there was there was really no surprises. We have our captain, Becky Sauerbrunn, who's been with the team for a while and is just a solid, solid defender in the back um, and an excellent leader, um, Crystal Dunn. But the only thing that really, really, really surprised me was the absence of Harvard graduate and Gotham FC player Midge Purse. Um now, Midge Purse has been such a fantastic like journey to watch because she's just so talented. It's insane. Um, but, you know, she naturally is like a forward position. She's naturally plays in a scoring position. And she actually learned a whole new position um, in the defense for the U.S. Women's National Team to practice with the team. You know, she made the, the squad. She was, you know, going around in, in the friendlies and playing in tournaments. And she was playing at this defender position, which is not her natural position. Um, and she, of course, was one of the best in the world at it. And she's quite frankly one of the best forwards, you know, there is one of the best scorers. Um, so it was really, really interesting to see her not make the team. Um, and I know a lot of people, including myself, were, were ready to riot over it. Well, uh, sort of. On the same note as we had with basketball, uh, speaking to the players who did make the team, uh, we do have another feel-good story. Sisters, uh, Sam and Christy Mewis uh, from Massachusetts, uh, were both selected for Team USA. Uh, and just reading here, that looks like they're going to be the first sisters who are going to play together at a senior-level championship for Team USA. Um, so definitely something exciting in terms of the family affair, the family affair. I think they just, the two of them just announced a, um, a beer together. Uh, they've been working with a brewery. Um, and you know, Sam Mewis was on the, the world cup winning team a few years ago. Um, but her sister, Christy's actually older than her. And Christy had been on the U S squad, you know, played in some games, but kind of dropped off the radar, hadn't been invited to camps, practices, et cetera. Um, and this past year or two in the NWSL, she kind of just took off. She was scoring goals left and right, and that earned her a chance to get back into camp and, and you know, try out basically for the team. And the head coach, Flacco, um, basically said that she played her way through the NWSL into the U.S. Women's National Team roster, um, which is really cool to see, like, you know, U.S. soccer – you know, nationally is or, or internationally is just the best in the world. But then to just see the level of play we have here in the States and then BOSL is pretty cool to see. So that's amazing. Um, where did you say the beer was from? I think it's from like Massachusetts because they're both from Massachusetts. They call themselves mass holes, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's hard. I just Googled it. Boston based Harpoon Brewery. Is- yeah, I think that's pretty well, well known. I think it's called the yeah. beer is Mew, M-E-W-S-A. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Insert laugh, um, laugh, clap here. <laughs> um, 
And just adding to the love, a portion of sales will be donated to the Boys and Girls Club of Dorchester. I mean, we absolutely love to see it. We really do. What is there not to love? Anyway, uh, like we said, we had a bit of a sandwich today. Uh, Glad to end on a happy note. But before we wrap up the show, Kelsey, shall we do our shout out? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to give a shout out to, you know, a legend, um, Candace Parker. Uh, She it it just brought back memories with NECA being cut from the uh, USA basketball, not making the team of, of when Candace, who is one of the best to ever play the game, um, not making the squad, which, which at the time and, and even more so now seemed very political. So shout out to Candace Parker for just keep on, you know, going, being extremely successful like she already was before. Yeah. Um, my shout out is <laughs> a more general shout out to a segment of corporate America, Um, so we talked about the CarMax commercial featuring Sue Bird. Um, there's also State Farm commercials featuring Sabrina, um, with Chris Paul. And so shout out to all of the corporations, uh, that are recognizing that, uh, women athletes, uh, are, you know, folks that are recognizable and who can, you know, be great additions to your endorsement portfolio. Um, and so, you know, State Farm, CarMax, I don't know if you need insurance or want to buy a car, but uh, this is not kudos. sponsored, by the way. This is not sponsored, but, but we welcome to it. We, again, representation is so important. And yeah, it was exciting to see. Anyway, uh, that is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Kelsey on Twitter at KTrain underscore 11, me at Meredith Hine and the site at Langrant 33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.